The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace, you can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, hi, this is Gwendolyn. Hi, and I am your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak, the visual workplace. I'm really glad you came. Very happy to know you're out there. You know, in each of our shows, we look at some aspect of workplace visuality, of the technologies of the visual workplace, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the landscape of work through visual devices. This is a living landscape, a landscape of performance, of behavior, of feedback, of vitality, of our lives, of our work lives. And we can shape that landscape, we can guide it, we can make it our partner through visual devices. Because when we embed visual devices, what we're actually embedding is information. Information that we need at the point of use, when we need it, as we need it, where we need it. We let the workplace speak. And when we do, we achieve high levels of safety. We have pace, we have valence, we have precision, we have focus. Our companies make a good profit margin, increasingly good. And we enjoy ourselves along the way. We enjoy ourselves at work. What a concept. Workplace visuality. A 15 to 30% increase in productivity. We see this all the time. 15% we always see. 30% we often see. Plus a tremendous opportunity framework for cultural alignment and empowerment. We don't make cookie-cutter visual devices. We invent devices that serve our own intelligence, that help us do our own work. They are brilliant, and I've often told you this. When I am asked to assess a plant, I go in, and I have a little 10-point scale, and I think about the mechanics of it. But what I look at also is I look at the utilization of improvement time used for visual improvement. That is time that is hopefully individual improvement time, sometimes small teams. But I also look for the weird factor. I want devices to be weird. I want to see devices that I have never seen before in the planet. I want this inventiveness this imagination and creativity and precision that we have on the inside to express itself in devices on the outside that perfectly fit our need. Our need to do what? Our need to know. Our need to know what we don't know right now in order to do our work. Our need to know. And then as we get more advanced and more accustomed to this language, we then 
in bed our need to share, what we know that we need to share so that others can do their work more safely, more completely, more accurately, more on time. Need to know, need to share. These are the two driving questions of the visual workplace. And they are the questions that we answer through visual information sharing, through these visual devices. From the gross level, which we call the visual wear, borders, and addresses, to the very refined attribute level, we're, in, we're embedding information about attributes when we get to Pokeyoke. Pokeyoke isn't just a solution. It's an embedded solution. It's a mistake-proof solution. Fail-safe. Okay? All of that is the visual spectrum, including visual leadership. I just spent a week with a wonderful biomedical group. I'm going to talk about them for, in a second, working exclusively on the frameworks of leadership. The physical structural frameworks, I'm going to do some shows on this as soon as I finish this particular series on smart placement. I'm supposed to move ahead in an orderly manner, but you know these things happen, and I want to share them with you. So, whatever you make, wherever you work, whether it's a healthcare facility, or dry cleaners, an engineering office, a bank, Utilities, open pit mine, military depot, manufacturing plant. You need visuality. You need to embed the language of performance. Whether you make it again and again and again and again, high volume, low mix, or you don't make it very often at all, low volume, high complexity, you still embed that production profile. Hmm? Fantastic. Visuality is a language, it is the language of your intelligence deeply embedded into the landscape of work because you put it there. It doesn't get there unless you put it there. This is not cookie cutter. This is language. It is great prose, it's great poetry, it is precise, and it satisfies us. It satisfies us because we can perform to the level of mastery at our work, which we want anyway. Look, we're all thoroughbreds in the making. Some of us get a chance to experience that at work. And if the workplace isn't visual, we're going to feel like, you know, what do you call those horses? Maybe we call them donkeys. (laughs) We're going to feel like donkeys instead of thoroughbreds who simply love to stretch our legs and and run the race. Hmm? So I'm very excited to be with you today, and I have just a couple of announcements. First, I want to thank you for your emails on our current topic, Smart Placement. Clifflin from Seattle uh, wrote, and she said she was happy with this new way of thinking, especially about point of use and nothing on top, nothing on the floor. She loved the no drawers principle. People didn't know what we were talking about. They would be wondering what we're talking about. Anyway, Cliff is a improvement leader, and uh, she's going to integrate this thinking into her current 5S address, uh, 5S approach, which is a little bit stuck. And she thinks it's going to help people rethink the layout. And then when she asks them to put down borders again, these borders will have captured function, which of course is the point. Okay, and several of you, ha, 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 several of you asked me to start a call-in show. Once a month, oh, I'd be happy with that, even once a quarter, I would love to. But I'm thinking that to start, I want to know who you are first so that we can really make a show. I was thinking about just waiting like this, 
wait a second. This is me waiting. You see? Me waiting for you to call in. But in fact, I think that we will have a, a call-in show with a group of people who say, I have some questions and we'll call on thus and so date. And we'll have a kind of orchestrated a little bit until we get, until you get in the habit of being spontaneous with your questions. I can take it all, boy. I mean, I love answering questions. I'm a pretty good thinker. I'm a better implementer. I'm a great troubleshooter. And I love to take on these problems against a framework of principles. So let's see what else. Uh, re- announcements. Oh, well, I have a keynote next week in San Diego at the Lean and Six Sigma World Conference, and then I'm doing a post-workshop, um, post-conference workshop on Friday the 22nd to an overflow crowd. And um, if you come, mention the show, The Visual Workplace, and I will give you a book. I'll even sign it. The other big announcement is that two of my books are going to come out this week on Kindle, Visual Workplace, Visual Thinking, and Work That Makes Sense. Both are in full color, and if you understand this language, they will also be available in a Mobi format on Amazon by mid-March. My three other books will be out on Kindle by April, and they will all be available worldwide on Amazon by the end of April on demand. So... All of you who have been waiting for me to find a distributor in these faraway countries, they'll be on demand, printed up, and sent to you wherever you are. So, And, you know, I want to talk about this Kindle experience for me because it's really put hair on my teeth. I'll tell you, it's put warts on my hands. <laughs> Last week, I was with this group of improvement leaders that I told you about, this biomedical giant, very seasoned, capable professionals, and we talked about reconfiguring their leadership approach along the lines of visual principles and practices. It was all very glowy and gorgeous and wonderful. And as we were wrapping up, I found myself inspired to remind them of one of the great and abiding truths of all effort and certainly all improvement efforts. In fact, all frontiersmen know this, and it is this. It is the start that stops us. It is the start that stops us. It is getting started on the new, on the inspired, that is often enough to bring us to our knees, to bring everything to a standstill, for us to abandon the effort. You know, in part, it is inertia. It's the condition of the body staying at rest if it is at rest. But that's only part of it. Because it is also about the sheer size of change itself, what it takes to change. A change not just in the physical environment or even the interpersonal environment, relationships, but the change in ourselves. The cha- We must change. It isn't just that we must be the change we want, but we must change. And it's that start that often stops us. And I have had that feeling in moving through what should have been a very simple Kindle print-on-demand project, an important beginning, but honestly, that start almost stopped me. There were casualties everywhere, and almost me. I almost went on my knees and said, never mind. So that's my little um, anecdote of the day. That's my little story. And now we're going to begin to continue our own march through the 14 Principles of Smart Placement. This is the fifth show in our series, 
where we apply and appreciate that where we locate function will determine the flow. The speed of the flow, the direction of the flow, the complexity of the flow. The formula is function plus location equals flow. That's the overall formula for smart placement, that we're going to be smart about placement because where we locate function matters. It isn't a table, it's the paperwork function. It isn't a machine, it's the conversion function. It isn't a table, it's the cutting function. A different kind of table, like a long bench. So last week, we looked at, we started looking at the first three or four of these 14 principles, and they're kind of micro-level changes. Nothing on top, nothing on the floor. And this week, we're going to complete the kind of micro-level easy changes, and then we're going to move to the macro-level. We're going to look at the flow itself. And our viewing platform is the two maps, but most especially right now, the could-be map or the dream map, the second of the two maps that we constructed a few weeks ago. The first is our what-is map that captures the what-is state, the as-is state. We post it on the wall nearby to remind us of how things are currently placed. On the could-be map or the dream map, we imagine a different layout, one that is embedded in the principles of smart placement. We do it on paper. Later, borders will capture the function that we design in. Not borders that simply outline physical objects, the things of the workplace, but borders that function and border that borders that reveal function, the individual functions of those workplace items, the waste paper basket, the chair, the bench, the sink, the work in process, the bins. If you're in a hospital, then the hospitals, those, the, the hospital bed, the supply cabinet. All these functions, the borders will reveal function and we will embed that function through our location, through our borders. So we're going to complete our walk, work through or walk through on what I call the, the, the first seven, pretty much easy to make micro flow improvements. Do you remember principle five? Um, let's see, last week was... Um, Locate function at or near the point of use. Principle two, nothing on top, nothing on the floor. Principle three, capture the full function. Remember, we're going to, we do the range of function so that we have not just the cabinet, but also the range of the doors. And then we have no doors, no drawers. Okay? That's what we did. And what we're going to do this week is do the remaining three. Principle five, put it on wheels. Lots of wonderful things to say about that. Principle six, make it ergonomically sound. Principle seven, make function appear and disappear at will. And then we'll move on to more abstract thinking, more conceptual. Beginning with principle eight, let the flow do the work. And in between, I'm going to talk to you about how to use the could-be map that the team, that teams or that you created to help you see and think and re-envision the layout. And we'll also talk about how to keep groups engaged and thinking and how to set up a change chart. By the way, there was a typo on the announcement. It wasn't a charge chart. It was a change chart. A change chart that captures that thinking without overpromising. So we're going to get very practical. And we're going to go into our break right now at the end of this, our first segment. And when you come back, we'll jump right into the next set of principles. I'll see you in just a minute. Thank you. 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi there. Hi again. Welcome to the second part of our show. Today we are following the Smart Placement Principles. We did one through three last show, and we're going to do... Four, five, and six, and seven, and if we can, eight. I'm sure we're going to get to eight this uh, this day. These are very practical applications. They're concepts that we apply to our thinking about our, the current layout of our work area or of our floor. If we're if you're on a hospital floor and you're running back and forth, back and forth to get supplies or find something, your smart placement needs some tweaking. This can also be in a hotel in a in a hospital lobby. It can be anywhere. It can be in the cafeteria. These principles are universal, and many of them are very precisely something that will help you. So remember, in front of you is a sheet of white chart paper on which you have drawn the structural outline of your work area. This is on your could-be map with a mirror image on the first map you drew, which is your what is map. But right now you're working on this could-be map. You've outlined your work area. You've penciled in, you've marked in your walls and doors and windows and I-beams and anything like a sink or a vent, something that's built in. And then you captured the things that populate that landscape. And you've done that through post-its. Use yellow post-its for stuff that's heavy or not easily moved. Not even you and your big buddy could move it. It's wired in, it's bolted in, extra resources would be needed, plus probably authorization from your boss. And if a union work, uh, uh, labor is involved, then you've got to really pay attention to that as well. So you have to move very carefully. So those are the yellows. The blues, on the other hand, are easy to move. You and me, you and me, you and me, we can do it. Maybe somebody else, maybe Clifflin will come down and give us a hand. Right? The tables, the baskets, the desk, like desks, small whip, 
stuff you can move around with a forklift, but because it is movable, like your pallets of whip. And by the way, pink is for your pallets of whip. Pink is for the whip. Green is for consumables, your bubble wrap, your cardboard, whatever. And if you can't get green post-its because they're harder and harder to find, just put a border around one of your other sticky notes to indicate that it's a different category and then make a chart so you remember. You can stripe it or whatever. And you have the names of things on there and you've cut things to size. They're proportional. And it looks pretty okay. It will not please the design engineer in you, but it'll please the kid in you. It'll be good enough for you to mess around with. So with these categories of whip, hard to move, consumables, if you're in an office or healthcare facility, make adjustments to the language. But it's exactly the same process. We're talking when we talk about visuality, we're talking about the physical things of work. Visuality must be held. It is embedded intelligence. It is not words. It is embedded words. It is not words as information. It's information as devices. And looking at this map, we imagine a better way. And we have our first map, our what is map on the wall to remind us of the way things are now. And then we just take off. So the last time we met, we went through those first four principles I mentioned a moment ago. Point of use, nothing on top, nothing on the floor, capture the full function, no doors, no drawers. Let's move on to principle five, put it on wheels. So look at your map and see if there's going to be an opportunity for the kinds of things I'm going to describe now. And you encourage others to think about it as well. And you push your post-its around. You let everybody try out their ideas. You let people show you what they imagine by they're actually picking up sticky notes and moving them around. That's how ideas get used when you're using the map. If you need to, you use the four people process tools. Remember that talking stick. Things get really out of hand. One of you take your shoe off, you put it in the middle of the table, kaboom, and you say, okay, this is a talking stick. Whoever holds this shoe, whoever dares hold this shoe can talk. <laughs> That's your reward. <laughs> or an eraser or a big fat something. You just bless it as this is the talking stick. And then whoever holds it talks until they have completed you got to let people sort out their ideas, and lots of us do it by talking. Others of us will just start shoving things around and getting the ideas by moving that kinetically. You know, remember, one of our early premises about visuality is that we live in our bodies. We experience through our bodies, but not only that, we have intelligence in the body itself. And when, when we move the body, the intelligence becomes enlivened encouraged, expressed. We are we are beings of expression. Watch out or I'll, remember, I'll read that poem for, by uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins again. Remember when ki- kingfishers catch fire? I know you know it by heart by now. I'll do that again soon. Stay tuned. So you encourage others to think and move things around and mutter and think and think and think. So let's look at put it on wheels. The wheel is one of the first tools invented by primitive man. 
and we can still get excited about its revolutionary capabilities. Wheels make it easy to move just about everything. Wheels make it possible to turn heavy objects even if you're not moving them very far. Wheels make it easy to bring things closer to the point of use quickly and safely and then get them out of the way just as fast and safely. Wheels allow us to maneuver around corners and they make it handy for us to get what we want when we want it. They are the perfect smart placement partner. So in principle five, we're going to put it on wheels in the name of smart placement. You know, in one plant, a plant that manufactured spring-loaded steel mud flap holders <laughs> for the trucking industry, very highly proprietary product, but they made a business out of it. There were heavy, heavy bins of cast steel work in process, and a forklift driver had to come every single time that bin was moved from station to station, from station to station. Even if it was a mere 10 feet, 5 feet, 3 feet, this big forklift had to come in. In this particular plant at Fleet, there was only one forklift driver for the entire plant, about 120 people. And you can you know that that guy was very busy and he was always late. A lot, a lot of motion. The habit of motion was so deeply embedded in the landscape of work. Remember, motion is the enemy, moving without working. That long waits became acceptable and accepted as just part of the workday. And at the time, the company had not yet embraced lean, but it was on its way to visual. So you know what happened? Folks did the 5S things thing of uh, clearing out the clutter, cleaning what's left, making it safe. And they even laid down the pattern of work. They even laid down borders before it hit them. And it hit them suddenly that they could put the pallets on wheels. They could put the bins on wheels, so they made little pallets, metal pallets, frames. This was happened to be a framing cell, the FB27 cell. They were frame, they were welders. <laughs> they painted it a pretty blue, and they fastened the wheels on. They fastened the wheels on, and suddenly they could move the whip. Material handling inside that cell was reduced 100%. And for the cell, 70%, because they still needed the forklift driver to deliver the bins. Right? But they had no more need for a forklift driver. They were still moving material, but they were moving it on their own. Fantastic use of, of, of uh, wheels. So think about this. You know, I, I spoke to you a long, long, long time ago about Rick L., from Denison Hydraulics in Ohio. He was a master, he is a master machinist and an ace visual thinker. And he used to spend a lot of time, because he was a machinist as well, a lot of time heaving his big tools around in order to find the one that he needed. And then he learned about smart placement. And you know what he did? He made this triangular fixture, had four leaning beams making a kind of teepee, and he put his tool, a tool on each one of those. He put it on a square frame, put it on wheels, and then he just moved the whole frame to the point of use 
His tools were already set up, and by the way, they were color-coded to model. He moved it to the machine. He did his changeover, and he moved it out of the way. The wheels enabled him to move the heavy wheel, the, the heavy fixtures, but also to keep his value field, his machine, clear. It was wonderful. Another place, World Nautobahn Trailers, has the, they have these huge, this is again welding, but it's also final assembly around very fancy trailers that kind of move the bridges across the face of Europe. And they had a lot of work to do in uh, securing the electrical harnesses all the way around the chassis, which is 50, 60 feet. And so they put their little components on a little pedestal and put some wheels on the bottom. There's a little tray on the top, wheel, wheels on the bottom, and a pedestal holding it to ergonomic height. And that made it so much easier for them to do the work, to move around the frame. Instead of going back and forth, back and forth to the components bin, they put everything. They did something else that we're going to learn about later called design to task. They designed that bin for that specific task, that tray. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Let me give you some more examples of wheels. Let's talk about the Lazy Susan. I've got a couple of great examples about that. The humble Lazy Susan. This is still a wheel, only it's on bearings. And it can be a very smart part of your very smart, smart placement toolkit. You can put a Lazy Susan on top of a cabinet so that what's sitting up there, whether it's books or something that you need, this is a cabinet that would be like a chest height, and you just rotate it and find what you're looking for instead of stacking it directly on the top of the cabinet or you do the same thing on your desk. You know that principle, nothing on the floor, nothing on top? Nothing on the floor also means nothing on a surface itself. It's always raised in some way. The Lazy Susan gives you this. If you've got small dye that are very delicate and you're storing them on a, on, a, on a shelf and sometimes you reach in the back to pick up a small dye because that's where it is and as you lift it, you bang against another dye, it gets a dent. These things are delicate. Make a Lazy Susan. You can make this out of wood. You just cut a circle out and put it on a bearing and let it rotate. And then you just rotate. You have beautiful visual order, the visual wear there, but you have this functionality of the wheel. Hmm? I'm going to tell you about Bob Camo. You know what? I, I don't want to say this, but darn it, I'm going too slow, and we're not going to get to um, the big principles this week. I'm sorry, but I, I want to describe these things to you. Because I want you to get it. So just forgive me and, and enjoy what I am sharing. We're not going to make it as far as I hope today. I know that already. Okay, please come back. We're going into our break and then I'm going to speed up my language, but I'm still going to give you lots of examples. Come back in a minute. I'll be here. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Hi, this is the second, this is the third section of our show today on smart placement. We are moving through the principles. We're currently talking about putting it on wheels, our principle five for smart placement. And as you think about this, and I'm going through examples, as you think about the wheels, what you're going to look at on your map is, and you're going to see this most especially on the first map you did where you mapped out the motion. That's where we talked about the spaghetti. You will see a lot of motion, a lot of spaghetti on the map that shows you going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You are going from one function to another function in order to retrieve something from that second function to bring it back to the first function. This is almost always an opportunity for you to consider wheels. Is there a way of bringing, and you're also considering this point of use, is there a way of my bringing that function closer to my point of use, but then also getting it out of my value field when I don't need it anymore? Perfect application for wheels. So look for that traffic and ask yourself about wheels. You can do wheels on surfaces as well, and as I mentioned a moment ago, this, the uh, Daisy Wheels, Lazy Susans, are wonderful. But I'm going to give you an illustration now of a department that was completely run on wheels, but it didn't start this way. This is at United Electric Controls outside of Boston, a place called Watertown. They make switches and controls, United Electric Controls, switches and controls. They were this uh, of, um, company in 1989 that won the Shingo Prize. I think it was the second year of the Shingo Prize, medium-sized company. Very, very strong improvement work culture. Very strong. Dave Reese is the owner, and there was, a, there was an aliveness that continues to this day. If you ever get a chance to go to Boston, Boston area, go see them. Please tell them I sent you. They love visitors. They love to show you their wonderful work. One of the guys who was there from the beginning, this is a before and after story, is Bob Camo, longtime UE employee. And you know what? He was a master visual thinker before I could even spell the word. He just did it intuitively. 
and I use his solutions throughout all of my books because he was a genius, really, truly a genius. Anyway, he was working in the wire cutting department at this point, at the point of this story, and he would go over to these spools of wire that are many different colors, many different gauges that were sitting on the floor, and he would search for what he was looking for. And there would be red and orange and yellow and purple. And he would lift and move and lift and move until he found the right one. And then he would haul the, the pool, the spool, I beg your pardon, he would haul the spool over to his bench and cut it to measure, and then of course he would haul it back only to repeat the procedure again the next time he needed wire. And then Bob got smart about placement. He decided he decided to put the entire system on wheels. And he took it to the limit. Here's how. First, he assembled a metal frame. And instead of putting shelves, it was like a shelving unit, erector set style, you know, those angle irons. Instead of putting shelves in place... He put cross pipes. He put pipes. And on those pipes, he put his spools. So he put his wheels on, if you will, a wheel, taking advantage of the fact that he could then spin what he wanted and also see what he wanted. And he organized the spools by color, a kind of customized company color code system to represent uh, the gauging, the voltage, the open, closed, common specifications. And once the, the spools were loaded on these racks that he specially designed, and this is a, this is like a 20 foot row that is four, I would, three high, three high, three spools high. He did something that was extraordinary. He decided that he would never ever lift them again except for restocking. And then when he decided that he was not going to take the spool or the wire to his bench, he made a bench on wheels. And he would wheel this bench that had the cutter right on it to the exact point of use where the, where the, the wire was that he was looking for and he would cut it right there. And he would do his assembly right there as well. So the whole thing was on wheels, and basically what there was was a very wide aisle, and he would go down it, and he would do his work. He, it was like, you know, that the, Moha- the mountain goes to Mohammed? That's what it was like. He made that smart placement function for him on every single level. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful application of put it on wheels. Okay, that's our principle five. Principle six, make it ergonomically sound. So I want you to look at the map and I want you to consider the ergonomics of some of the points that I'm going to be making. And if you have an idea, think about moving things on the map. So this sixth principle is to make the area and everything in it ergonomically sound. That means make it fit for us humans. That means we have to consider the body parts, the body, its parts, the range of motion. And for the most part, the examples of this will be raising that which you are bending over to do to a reasonable level so you don't have to bend over. And one of the best examples of an ergonomically sound 
area is one that has gone through a lean transformation because there are many, many principles of ergonomics in lean. I'm going to mention a few of them so that you can think about it for your area. You want to look for flexibility and you want to look for detail about the way the body moves. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, that's a signal to you that maybe there's a smarter placement. For example, there will be slanted positioning for things that you are using often, like hand tools. They're going to be within easy and comfortable reach, but you will put them on a slant. For example, if you have tools, you'll build a tool holder out of wood that is hanging off of your bench, slightly slanted, so that you can reach it easily. You might be looking at populating the airspace above your bench with instruments, drills, and whatever that are suspended on a cord. And maybe they retract easily to get them out of the way. You don't even have to pick up the drill. It's already in the air, ready for use. You bring it down to where you need it, and it goes back up again. You'll you'll start utilizing the bottom shelf of your benches to reflect the same placement intelligence. They'll be higher. Maybe they'll be constructed as a standard, 10 inches off the ground, making it just that little bit easier to reach items on it. And just that little bit easier is the difference between a reach and a stretch. Even the stools that you use, and I do hope you use stools. I'm not a great fan for taking stools away from people. There are these wonderful stools. They look sort of like a, a, a Z, and they just hold up your bottom. They just take the weight off of your knees. And you have them there. They're slanted. They give you a little bit of a brace. You can The body can stay at ease and relaxed even when it's active. Lots of gravity feed positioning also for first-in, first-out process. Lots of gravity feed positioning for for boxes you want to get away only slant them in the opposite direction so you have two shelves one of them is slanted towards you so you can take what you need from it but you have reverse gravity feed on a lower shelf for example to help others retrieve empty boxes do you see these are principles of ergonomic smart placement okay so that's principle six Principle seven, ha, ha, ha. Principle seven, it's a little bit of a mouthful, but nevertheless, it reads like this. Make function appear or disappear at will. By now, you know that a big part of smart placement is about getting maximum flexibility out of your location choices, where you choose to put things. So principle seven asks us to figure out how to get function front and center when we need it and make it invisible when we don't. These are going to be the kind of shelves that come to you when you need it and you get them completely out of your value field when you don't. I want to describe to you, and this is also from United Electric, this is the wonderful work of John Pacheco. He's got this eight-foot, what do you call it, empty empty door there's nothing it's not a solid core door it's empty on the inside lightweight door and he's using it as the top of a bench he's got a filing cabinets on each side it's eight by four and it's filled with everything 
It's supposed to be his paperwork bench. So as he began to move through the process of getting visual, he got rid of the junk. And when he got rid of what wasn't related to paperwork, he only had a few items left. Some binders, a logbook, masking tape. They took up so little room that John did the obvious. He got rid of the door and that eight-foot footprint and replaced it with a 30-inch wide shelf. But where he put it was in an existing shelf. He just took out one of the metal shelves and he put this shelf made out of wood with brackets and it slid towards him when he needed it and it was out of the way when he didn't. So it slid towards him when he was doing his paperwork. He didn't even need a desk anymore. It was about, it was about um, 30 inch wide by about 18, 20, 20 inches deep, you know, shelf deep, right? And he made excellent, excellent use of this. It was an already existing shelf. He did another principle, which we'll hear about in, in one of our next show. It's called Use the Existing Architecture. He used the existing architecture. He made function appear and disappear at will, this paperwork function. Later on, he painted it, made a beautiful, beautiful white with red for what was um, what was uh, an emergency, what was urgent. He put it on these sliding brackets. It was fantastic. The in and out action of this shelf not only put the function at his fingertips and saved him space that John could now use for something else, it also let him clear out the other value fields of the obstructions when he was done. In other words, it allowed him to just move it completely out of the way. Yeah, very wonderful. Very, very wonderful. You can do that underneath the bench as well. You can do that for small die. These little slidey, slidey shelves. You put the die on there. You bring it to you. You have a lock on it. So it locks in place. You have a small machine on it. And when you don't need it, maybe you don't have a frequent use for it. You get it either way. These are completely parallel applicable to um, the healthcare setting, to the bank setting, to any setting you like, to certainly uh, continuous process flow, these ideas. At Scania Trucks in Holland, I had the pleasure of going to that plant a number of times. The, really the best truck engines and cabs on the planet and the most expensive they used this principle on their tactile-driven line for their tools. They had their tools suspended on a kind of a rector-set template. They would pull the tool to them, and then they would push it back and get it completely cleared of the value field. Hmm? So the tools were always at the point of use, always within reach, but never cluttering. So I want you to think about this. I want you to look at the map. If you're doing this map right now, look at the map and say to yourself, can we use this idea? Can I use this idea? Where does this fit? And take the moments and really work the idea. Same with ergonomics, the ergonomically sound, and the same with put it on wheels. Okay, we're ending our third segment. We're going to go into our fourth. I'm going to talk to you about a change chart, and I'm at least going to start with our eighth principle. See you in just a minute. We're all 
always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi there. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Welcome back to the last segment of our show. Today we're walking through the smart placement principles and we're asking you if you're listening and actually doing your map to think about can I use this principle? Will it help my work? Will it help accelerate the flow of information, people and material in and through my workplace? Will it take some of the struggle out of my work? Will it help me do work that is smarter? Smart placement. So we've completed the first seven principles of 14, seven principles of smart placement. And as we do complete this, you're, you're thinking about some things that you could do, you might do, you might try it out. That's exactly what's supposed to happen. And what we want to do is put it on a chart so that you keep track. So right now there's a moment to make a summary in your mind. Let me see. I've liked this idea and that idea, and I've got about three ideas related to that principle. And what you do is you make a simple change chart that shows your thinking and lists out the kinds of things you have in mind. You do not need to decide. You do not need to commit. You just need to keep track. And so you have three or four or five. I'm going to suggest some um, columns I'm going to suggest five columns. You'll have one that's blue for the easy to move, the items that are easy to move, the things you're thinking about moving. And you make a post-it on that, preferably in blue. Then you have your whip, work, uh, work in process, the whip that you're thinking about relocating or whatever, and your consumables in green. You have another column for hard to move, and underneath it, you have written very boldly, needs authorization. And right now, 
that should remain blank. I have not, to the extent that I am able to give you permission, given you permission to focus on that. That will be part of what we do next. So you line up these four categories, the blue, the pink, the green, and later on the yellow, and you say, by when are you thinking of moving it? And you can add another column that says, will it, what it, will its impact be? But I don't want you to worry about cost benefit. I want you to do the easy stuff easily and, and don't worry about justifying yourself. You're not making decisions right now. You're just listing it out. Make it easy for yourself to see that list. And remember, in keeping with our definition of consensus, you want to surface areas of enduring differences as well as areas of easy agreement. So if this process stalls, don't hesitate to create a minority list for yourself or with a buddy or encourage somebody else to do, to, to do so. You want to just keep track. So that, that's the change chart. So I'm going to begin the discussion now of the second set of smart placement principles, beginning with principle eight, which is let the flow do the work. Let the flow do the work. So what we just talked about were the first set of seven smart placement principles. There are 14 to discover ways to accelerate the flow of material and information and people in and through your area. How? By improving the location of function. You've used your map to do so. In doing that, you reduce motion caused by the unintentional layout of function. And the second set of principles is on a more macro level. It's more conceptual. It's looking at the overall design of space and flow in your area, especially this first one. And there are a number of detailed applications that, that I want to discuss with you. But I want you to get that this is having a bigger impact. It's conceptually more sophisticated and more elegant. You're still looking at your map. You're still doing your experimentation directly on that map moving your sticky notes around, and developing options, okay? And you're still thinking about, you know, maybe I need to do my own minority report because I'm on a roll and nobody else, nobody wants to roll with me. So let's talk about principle eight. We'll get this started. Let flow do the work. Let flow do the work changes the scale, and now we're going to talk about not micro, but things that are really big, really big. That single word, flow, captures the big picture of what we want and what we can get from smart placement. A flow of value that moves through the area with a minimum of obstructions, a minimum of surprises, a flow that allows us to move through our workday, not just without struggle, but with ease, safety, precision, completeness, even happiness, even joy. We're flowing. Flow is a natural state for human beings. When we flow, our body just gets happy and our mind gets happy. We're flowing. It's like dancing. I am a ballroom dancer, not a good one, and I dance with a, a guy, really great guy, who is a ballroom dancer, and he's a little bit better than I am. But I tell you, it doesn't matter. The differences all disappear because when we dance, we flow. And that makes up for everything. And that's what you, you want the dance of work. 
you want to be able to go to work and feel this state of equilibrium and connectedness. So think about flow. To help you do this, what I want you to do, and think about this when you go back to your workplace, whether you're a manager or not, I want you to step back from the principles that we covered before with their very tight focus on detailed placement and look at the overall layout of your area. Look at the flow, the flow line. Look at the pathway that material, people, and information follow as each of those make their way through your department. Even if your department, if you're a nurse, it's going to be the whole floor. How would you describe it? Does it move along at a self-pace? Or does it get stalled? Or does it get stalled a lot? Does it flow freely as streams do? Skirting around rocks and boulders and tree limbs, keeping pace, flowing no matter what gets in the way? Or does it pool and get stalled in the nooks and crannies of your department and kind of go stale and begin to kind of grow slimy things? How would you describe the flow of work into and through your area? Have you even noticed it before? I want you to notice it. Do this and if you have others doing this with you, share your impressions. And when we meet again next week, we'll talk about how you can begin to identify opportunities to upgrade or release the flow and also how the yellows are used, the big stuff. Okay? I'll say a lot about the yellows next week. So we're at the end of our show I have to tell you that I have such a great time sharing this stuff with you because I've seen it work. And I know that if you are listening, you truly are on an improvement path already and that you will take what is useful for you about what I'm saying and you will use it. And it will help you. It will help you enjoy yourself at work. You will help you find ways to express what's on the inside and make it the outside. This is what we're here for. Uh Uh-oh, I hear that poem coming on. I don't have enough time to read it. When kingfishers catch fire and dragonflies draw flame. So we'll talk about that again. I had a wonderful time with you today, as you can tell. And you know what? I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth. (laughs) And I'm signing off. I'll see you the next time. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.